You're listening to the Christian Civics Podcast, exploring how the gospel empowers us to think, speak, and act differently in the public square. I'm your host, Rick Barry, the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Christian Civics, and I know it's been a crazy few weeks. I know that we're all oversaturated with information about the coronavirus and about COVID-19 and warnings to social distance and arguments about why social distancing is important. And I know that the numbers of people who are sick and who are dying from the disease are overwhelming. I think it doubled over the course of three days recently. And I know that we're all also, as someone put it to me recently, completely inundated with pious emails from Christian organizations explaining how to respond spiritually to the COVID-19 crisis. And I promise you, we're not going to do that. What we are going to do, though, this week is take some time to put some of the ideas we talk about in our classes into practice where COVID-19 is concerned. One of the things we talk about in our classes and in our workshops is the fact that God's vision and promise for restoration, for healing, the things Christ came to fix in this world are expansive. Christ didn't just come to change how we worship or which day of the week we worship on. He didn't just come to change what name we pray in. He didn't just come to fix one form of brokenness in the world. He came to fix every dimension of brokenness in our lives. He came to fix every manifestation of sin in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world. That's why when the Old Testament prophets talk about the day of the Lord, that's why when the New Testament talks about Christ's second coming, when the Bible sets its vision for how the world will be different when God makes it right, it doesn't just say everyone will have enough to eat. It doesn't just say that those who are lonely and abandoned will have companionship. It doesn't It doesn't just say that every lie will be corrected. It doesn't just say the crooked things will be made straight. It doesn't just say that the secret things will be revealed. It says all of these things and more. But we're limited people. We can't be experts on everything. We can't give our time and our energy to every issue. No one Christian can be Christ's hands and feet in every corner of the world. If we believe Christ when he says that he is present where people are gathered in his name, if we believe Christ when he says that the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers is the manifestation of his hands and feet, is actually through the power of the Holy Spirit, his presence in the here and now, until he actually returns physically, then it is vitally important that when non-Christians look at our local churches, they don't just see a group of people all working on one issue in one specific way, but they see a group of people who together are passionate about healing all different kinds of brokenness in this world are passionate about seeing sin go into remission in every dimension of our lives. Last week, we talked with Heather Rice Minus from Prison Fellowship, and she touched on how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting people who 
work in prisons, affecting people who are incarcerated in prisons, and affecting people who are transitioning out of prisons and back into our communities. Today, we're kicking off a mini-series of three shorter episodes. Each one is going to take a similar look at a different issue area. In each episode, we'll meet with a leader from a Christian organization that is working on a particular issue. They'll tell us a little bit about the work they're doing and the people they serve, and then they'll talk about how their work is being reshaped by the coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic. And then a member of the Christian Civics leadership team will pray for the organization and for the work they're doing. Our hope is that between last week's episode and the episodes that are going to come out in quick succession this week, you'll be able to find some guidance for how to pray and how to continue being involved in at least one or two of the issues that God has placed on your heart or on the hearts of other people in your community. Today, we're interviewing Dr. Amanda Eckhart, the director of Restore NYC. Restore is an anti-trafficking organization specifically identifying foreign national women in New York who are victims of human trafficking and helping remove them from sex trafficking and helping them get started in a new life that is safe from the dangers of trafficking. There are, I think, over a hundred anti-trafficking organizations in the U.S., Dr. Eckhart had told me. But Restore is, as far as she knows, the only one specifically focused on foreign national women. And the reason for that is, while across the U.S., a slight majority of people who are victims of human trafficking are U.S. citizens or green card holders, in New York, 55% of all of the people who are victims of human trafficking are foreign national women. And so they're approaching a global problem through a very specific, very local lens. I think it's a great example of practicing the theology of incarnation. Rather than trying to address trafficking as it exists on the global level or on the national level, the people at Restore first took a look at their own neighborhood and said, what is unique about the way this problem manifests here in our city, in the city God has already carried me into? And if we care about this, what might God be calling us to do, not globally, not even nationally, but here in the place that is easiest for us to reach, easiest for us to get to know, the place where it's easiest for us to have a practical effect on other people's lives? So we're going to jump right into the interview with Dr. Eckhart as she talks about the philosophy behind Restore's approach. It's going to be a very short interview compared to what you're used to from us. And then we'll come back for prayer. So our foundational scripture at Restore is Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61, as we also read in Luke 4, is where Jesus proclaims his ministry work. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then he goes on to say, I've come to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And I share that scripture because it sets the landscape, the backdrop, so to speak, of our approach to serving survivors. The biblical word for restore means not only to return to original condition, but to make better than was designed originally. 
So we believe that trafficking is a problem that takes place 100% of the time in the business marketplace. These traffickers are sophisticated business people. They know how to make a lot of money by exploiting individuals for sex or labor for financial gain. And so the solution to this problem in the business marketplace is economic empowerment. It's economic justice. And so one of our key programs at Restore is our economic empowerment program. We get referrals from law enforcement, hospitals, counselors. We get a lot of self-referrals, women looking us up online. We get referrals through the court systems. And as these women meet with our counselors, we have a team of 35 staff. As they meet with counselors, they are introduced to options for services. And our economic empowerment program is one of those options. And how are the people you serve being affected by COVID-19, by the coronavirus pandemic? I know that by the time it airs early next week, things could be very different. Right now, as we know, New York City is considered the epicenter in the U.S. Over 50% of the cases, at least as of today, are in New York City. One in 600 people in New York City is is affected right now by COVID-19. And it has changed life drastically for everyone here. And certainly those with incredible vulnerabilities, including those who are being trafficked. Now, I heard this stat last week. So again, it might have changed by now. But what we were hearing is that one in five households at the end of last week had been impacted economically already by COVID-19, largely because of some of these larger cities doing the shelter in place or shutting down non-essential businesses. So one in five households were being impacted. For the women that we serve in our economic empowerment program, four in five have lost their jobs completely or have had a significant decline in their earnings. And this has just been catastrophic for the people that we work with. It has led women to wonder if they're safe, wonder if they need to return back to the streets, to the life, back to their trafficker. For women who have children, there's fears, what if I can't provide basic needs, food, shelter, The stories that we've been hearing last week and this week have been incredibly heartbreaking. The impact is significant for survivors of sex trafficking here in New York. How is your work changing as a result of this? How are you shifting gears? What are you all working on now that you weren't working on a month ago? Or what are you doing more of now than you were doing a month ago? Prayer, (laughs) worship, fasting, and I imagine for most nonprofits right now, Restore included, we are seriously considering the necessary next steps for shift in strategy to our work. I mean, at Restore, we're wondering what's trafficking going to look like for these next few months when we all need to stay indoors. Will it go more underground? Will it move toward technology? Will it be off of the typical business storefront model and be taking place through escort or small brothels? Business storefront model. In New York, there is one Starbucks for every four illicit massage businesses where prostitution is taking place and where oftentimes sex trafficking is happening. So when I say a business storefront, it could be a illicit massage business or there could be some other business that's fronting for illicit activity that's tied to trafficking. So because non-essential businesses are closing, we think trafficking is likely being reshaped and we need to understand what that is 
looking like and how it will continue to evolve. I share that with you because as you're asking how we're responding, there's some things we don't know about yet. And then there are things that we are certain of. What we're certain of as of this week is even with uh, a little over 30 women that we've talked to, if they are unable to return to employment in the next four months, the lost earnings for those about 30 people is over $500,000 for these women. The majority have children. And keep in mind that women that we serve are incredibly resilient. I mean, some of the strongest women I've ever met have been through uh, incredible hardships and then also have valiantly pressed forward in life. And we have seen at Restore stories of great hope. We know that the women that we're working with bring forth those resources and yet the financial loss is so significant right now. This is what we know to be true. And so we considered a number of different options. You know, at first we thought, let's just get food to people. Let's make sure everyone's safely housed. Let's take care of those basic needs. But we were being told to stay home, to not go anywhere. And many of us have been concerned, well, you know, what if I contract COVID and we have family members, many of whom are older or or at risk for health issues. That is to say where we landed was that we we're going to create a fund. And that fund would go 100% as cash assistance to survivors of trafficking who've been impacted financially. That has been our short-term solution, a key solution at this time. We are in the process of revamping a lot of our interventions and services to meet the immediate and midterm needs of survivors. And for people who are particularly burdened on this issue, what other steps beyond just contributing to the fund can they take to help support your work, support people like the people you serve or other organizations doing this kind of work? A, while they're bunkered down at home, B, when we are potentially facing, I think the latest numbers are unemployment could reach 30% before all of the requisite emergency measures can be lifted safely. For those who either can't do cash assistance or want to put their hand to more than just contributing to the fund and have that capacity mentally, emotionally, time-wise, what should they be thinking about doing? There's lots of ways to get involved. There are likely anti-trafficking organizations within your communities and surrounding area. And again, one of the key solutions to the recovery process for trafficking is safe jobs and sustainable work and opportunities for advancement in the business marketplace. So we tell people oftentimes, if you're looking for ways to help or to contribute, if you are a business person or you know of people who have businesses and need help with employment for those in the need. York City area right now, there are some business people who are in need of extra assistance right now or anticipate that that will be the case once we are able to return back to work. So that's a a great opening for you to contribute to help survivors to gain employment. If you are a landlord, if you own apartments or units or homes or space, you have a spare room, you're part of a church community that can put people up for respite. That is an incredible gift right now and will be beyond this COVID-19 period. And for anti-trafficking organizations, that's wonderful. We take gift cards, Metro cards. We have an Amazon wish list. We have a safe home that's been thriving for 10 years that has a lot of practical needs right now. It's been difficult to get items in bulk. So we're asking for assistance there. 
And then, of course, prayer at Restore. We have an intercessory prayer team that is praying for us weekly. And again, whether it be an anti-trafficking organization nearby you or for us at Restore, we welcome intercessors to join us in petitioning before the Lord for the needs that we have now and into the future. And what are some of the biggest prayer requests you, your organization has, both for your work and for the people you serve? Our prayer for survivors is with Isaiah 61, and the end of verse 2 is where we read about the year of the Lord's favor. And this is the year of Jubilee. And we know the year of Jubilee is a, is a time where we are reminded that the land belongs to the Lord. And we know that it represents a time where debts are forgiven, slaves are set free. It's a period where economic justice is celebrated. And we know in Luke 4, where Jesus declared this is his ministry, that the year of Jubilee is not just for every 50 years, but it is for today and tomorrow and every day. And so you can join us and continue joining us in prayer for survivors that there will be economic justice in this time, in this moment. Um, And again, the COVID-19 Relief and Stabilization Fund at Restore is critical to that short-term relief and solution so that women are not enticed to be trafficked again or feel as though there's no other options. In addition to praying for survivors, uh, we have been lifting up the scripture from Exodus 12 for our staff team and for our board of directors and for our families from the passage where we read of the Passover. And we've been praying that there would be a literal Passover of the COVID-19 virus for our staff team and board and our families. With respect to Restore as an organization, we have been reading through the passage from 2 Kings 6 and this, this heart cry from Elisha, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And he's praying for his servant uh, where the horses and chariots are surrounding them. And it's a beautiful picture of seeing with spiritual eyes. And at a time where I imagine a lot of organizations, businesses are in fear, anxiety, worry, as the servant was in this passage, our prayer and heart cry is, Lord, open our eyes so we may see you, so that we see your chariots of fire surrounding us. And then lastly, with respect to community, our scripture that we've been praying at Restore is from Acts 2, you know, and this idea of the Christian church as um, breaking bread together and uh, being glad together with sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And our prayer has been that now more than ever, the church in our community will rise up, especially for the most vulnerable amongst us. You know, I'm here in my apartment in Manhattan with my husband, Landon, and I very much acknowledge and recognize my position of privilege at this time. You know, for the women that we serve, the fear of not having food this afternoon or tomorrow, this idea of not just living paycheck to paycheck, but literally day to day at this moment, and the significant shame and fear and hopelessness that many survivors of trafficking feel. All right, that was my interview with Dr. Amanda Eckhart of Restore NYC. We're not going to offer much commentary in these mini-episodes. We're going to jump right to prayer. Today, prayer is going to be led by Thomas Turner. Thomas is an executive board member at the Center for Christian Civics. 
He works with International Justice Mission, another anti-trafficking organization. And he's going to lead us through a cycle of nine short prayers covering the range of people involved in human trafficking. Prayer 1. Lord God Almighty, creator of all things, keeper of justice and compassion, you know the hearts of all people. You know when all do good and evil and you know that which is hidden in our hearts. Cleanse us, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to do good. Help us to know our hearts. Help us to do justice and live compassionately, and help us to recognize your hand in all things. God Almighty, we pray you would impart the Spirit of Jesus to us, your Holy Spirit, so we may know what to pray for, and even if we do not know what to pray for, We humbly ask that your spirit would hear the groanings of our hearts. Amen. Prayer 2 God, you are no stranger to the helplessness and hopelessness of women. You heard the calls of barren women, of Sarah, Rachel, Hannah, and Elizabeth. You have given women hope in your spirit in the midst of war and troubles, as you did for Deborah and Esther. Lord, we pray that you hear the cries of women in desperate situations, that they recognize you are present everywhere, even in the midst of their darkness and despair. Lord, we call on you, who is present right now, to hear the cries of the helpless and answer them. Amen. Prayer 3 You have placed your spirit upon mighty and courageous women, so that we pray with Miriam, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. And we pray with Deborah. You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord. And we pray with Mary, the mother of our Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Amen. Prayer 4 Lord, you know the pain of hunger, of hardship, of persecution, and of death, death on a cross. You have had compassion on the hunger and hardship of women, for you appeared before Hagar as she was dying in the desert and said, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. Let us not be afraid of death in the desert places of our life, Lord, and we pray you remove the fear of death from this place and change it from a desert into a part of your kingdom. Amen. Prayer 5 Lord, you seek to protect the foreigner and ask your people to always care for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. For you rewarded Ruth for her dedication to her mother-in-law and protected her in a foreign land, making sure she could have enough to eat from gleaning the fields. And you blessed her by grafting her into the family of our Savior. Amen. Prayer 6 Lord, you are the friend of those who are downtrodden. 
In your kingdom there is no Jew nor Gentile, male or female, slave or master. We ask you to free those who are in slavery, as you did with your people in Egypt. Free all people in this place from the cycle of sin and death, and redeem us all to new life. Prayer 7 Let us not forget, Lord, that you forgive all sins, and that what was once lost can always be found again. Let us not forget, Lord, that Tamar and Rahab, both women who were prostitutes, are the foremothers of our Savior. Keep us from ever looking down on those who are in darkness, for you are always able to redeem them. Prayer 8 Christ is light to all, and his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is overcome. We come before you, God, and ask for you to shine your light on this place, and overcome all darkness with the eternal light of Christ, the true morning star. Amen. Prayer 9 Lord, we pray dearly for the oppressed. We also pray dearly for the oppressor. Lord, you hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and we know that the hearts of the oppressors are hardened against you. They keep themselves from your light. We pray you crack open the hardness of their hearts, so they will no longer be hidden from the light, but that they would be overcome with the light of Christ, God with us, and see their evil exposed. We ask you take away the hard hearts of the oppressors, that they willfully set their captives free, and that all glory and honor go to you, our mighty God. We pray these things in the name of the, our Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Thomas. I want to encourage you all to use these prayers in your own personal prayer life, or if you lead prayer in a small group or in a church setting, or right now a virtual church setting, you are also more than welcome to use any of the prayers we put out on this podcast and on our blog as model prayers for guiding other people in prayer. Thank you very much to Dr. Eckhart for being with us. You can visit our website, christiancivics.org, to learn more about Restore and how you can support their work. You'll also find transcripts of these prayers there. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to it. I'm sure this is not the first time you've listened to a podcast. You know the drill. I'm Rick Barry, the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Christian Civics. Thank you very much for being with us, and I'm looking forward to being with you again in two days.